Welcome to Mile High Magazine with your hosts, Adam Morgan, Murphy Houston, and Melissa Moore. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Now, here's your host, Adam Morgan. While new legal immigrants, refugees, and newcomers to America are learning to become citizens in this evolving era of online and high-tech utilization, Americans now have another level of citizenship we need to grasp. Digital well-being supports the development of skills and knowledge to facilitate the ethical, responsible, and healthy use of digital technology. Saying it in two words, just terms such as digital citizenship. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Although the principal focus of Digital Citizenship Week are to assist youth to make smart choices when online, the risk of sharing information, determining what's real, credible news and information and what is not, these are also skills adults also need to learn as well, and especially parents with their children utilizing an array of technical gadgets. To guide us toward being good digital citizens, we connect with the author of the book, Digital Citizenship, Promoting Wellness for Thriving in a Connected World, Metro State University adjunct professor, Dr. Alfonso Porter. Cyberbullying is just uh, simply an outgrowth of what we've always had to contend with uh, as teenagers and young people growing up. I mean, you have bullying uh, in the the past. It's, It's simply the same thing, except now... It's in more of a digital format, uh, and it's taken on this uh, moniker where uh, it, you're no longer a person, but you're a profile. Right. And so you can hide in cyberspace, and you can say things to people, and you can uh, you can you can engage in bullying behavior and things you would never do to their face in person. Well, well, exactly that. So I the mean, you remember is what anonymity is, what is a big part of it, and okay. and so you remember back in in the day when you were growing up, and and certainly I remember that you you have the bully, and then you would you would simply confront the bully if you wanted that behavior to stop. You would either confront the bully, or or you would you would get somebody to assist you with that. Now to your question about. What parents can do, parents have to look for some signs in their kids Yeah. Uh, today. Let's say, for example, uh, the young person has become uh, extraordinarily withdrawn, mm-hmm. whereas before they had a robust po- uh, personality, they were engaged, they had friends, et cetera. And suddenly now you have this whole avoidance behavior. You don't want to use your social media. You don't want to engage with your friends. You don't want to be out. And so once you see uh, these kind of telltale signs in your in your young person, then you know that something's going on. It could be something else other than cyberbullying. But mm-hmm. I would I would recommend that you you assume that that might be part of what's going on with your young person to start with. Some of the things you you wrote about there are signs too that they. Uh they quickly switch screens mm-hmm. to hide their device. Uh, they use their devices at night, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they get really upset if you take the device from them. And, and now using, that's on the side of the bully. And then using multiple online accounts? Sure. No, those are, those are the behaviors that you might see in the person who's actually engaged in the bully. Oh. And so now all of a sudden you, you, you're tethered to this device without anybody being able to to look at it or view it or anything else, and, and you're you're at night under the covers mm-hmm. kind of doing these things uh, in secret. And those are, those are the bullying behaviors. On the other side, uh, what we've been talking about 
are the ones on the receiving side of the okay. bullying, and those are the withdrawal behaviors uh, and that type of thing. But and with the bullying behaviors, if a parent sees that, mm-hmm. they can probably want to check out their child to see what he is doing. Well, He's I would, trying to be that secretive. Well, certainly. Uh, it's certainly because parents, you, you do have far more control than you know because you're the one paying for the device. And so certainly if you have a 15- or 16-year-old who's a sophomore, junior in high school, and you suspect that your child may in fact be a bully uh, and they're guarding their device with their life, then you do have some leverage. Uh, you know, you can you can have the device turned off. You can have a yeah, new device. You can purchase one, a new you can purchase a new device. You can have things. You can have it clean. You can have it scrubbed. Uh, there are a number of things you can do. I mean, you are the parent, and so we don't abdicate that kind of power to our children to tell us what we can and cannot see, particularly when we are the ones who are paying for it. You know, and some parents will say, "But if I do that, they're going to say I'm a bad parent." I'm taking their cell phone. Well, that's you're, you're just going to have to, in in my estimation, deal with what your children. <laughs> we're talking about teenagers here, yeah, right. Yes. And, and so they're going to be a parent. They're going yeah. to they're going to they're going to use whatever they can to wedge uh, between what they want and what's right. Sure. And so sure. they're going to play both ends against the middle. And so obviously, if they're engaging in this kind of behavior, they don't want you to know what they're up to. Well, some parents would just say, well, listen, if you got a bully on your um, sending you emails and that kind of stuff, just change the email account. Well, no, that bully knows who you are. That bully goes to school with you. Uh, that, But that bullying behavior would not go away. Just wish, So what you're saying is usually somebody they know? It's going to typically be somebody you know. Otherwise, it, it's pretty much rendered uh, ineffective yeah. because if you've got someone – uh, in another city or some somebody that you don't know that you don't interface with on a regular basis, it doesn't really matter that much uh, because now this is just some nebulous individual somewhere sure. that you can that you can quickly ignore. But in the in the cases that we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you're confronted with that bully in first period class. You're confronted with that bully on the on the cheerleading squad. You're confronted with that bully um, everywhere you go in the mm-hmm. mall, et cetera. So in your social life, in your reality. That bully is there, uh, and that you cannot exc- you cannot get rid of that person simply by simple simply ignoring him or her. Now, I know back in the day, sometimes you just have a fight on the playground and be done with it. Well, I would I would be remiss to advise your audience no, to no, do that. I didn't, but I, I said back in the day, yeah, if you but, had a bully, but it, there is a, there is room for confrontation, and, and that's because some parents would teach you to stand up for yourself. And there's nothing that's why there, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think there's certainly still room for that. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, you you do need to bring to the individual's attention. That you do have to be strong. Now, this is a hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you would think back to our teenage years. It's hard enough being a teenager without all of this and then add this on top of it. Uh, but if you do confront an individual, it's always advisable not to do it alone. We want to be mindful that it's not about bringing my crew to confront you so that you're not bringing three, four, five individuals to confront one person. Sure. So now then it looks like a mob uh, kind of a mentality or a confrontation. Uh, you you do want to make sure that somebody's there with you, more than likely a concerned adult. Do we see cyberbullying among adults? I, I believe that you do see bullying behaviors all up along the professional strata uh-huh. that uh, you, you may have a, a person who's in who has positional authority uh, and then begin to engage in bullying behavior uh, in a downward kind of a 
of, of, a, of a style. We were familiar with that whole idea of uh, suck up and kick down. And so those above you, you know, you ingratiate yourself, but those below you, you you mock, ridicule, and denigrate. Yeah. And so, so certainly in the professional arena, we have we have bullying behaviors among adults as well. Right, right. And you say some helpful strategies if you're being bullied or your your child is don't retaliate. Mm-hmm. That's right. Keep evidence. Mm-hmm. Demand an end to behavior. That's and, right. And seek out support. I mean, that's right. I mean, you don't want to get into the whole retaliation because that may in fact backfire. Uh, keeping evidence, it's a lot easier these days, uh, Adam, uh, to, to, to save information so that if you're receiving uh, messages being transmitted electronically, you can save those uh, so that you can present your case to a concerned adult, your teacher, your guidance counselor, your principal, your parent, mm-hmm. for example. So you, so you definitely want to make sure that it's not a he said, she said, uh, that it's one person's word against another person's. Sure. So you want to make sure that you have have some evidence of what it is you're you're being confronted with um, on a, a routine basis. Uh, so, but also to make sure that uh, you address it again, make sure you have a concerned adult with you. You don't want to get in. You you want to be mindful not to get start eliciting parents against one another. As I say, my you know you've got my parent, and then I've got the parent of the bully. And so now now not only are you and the bully beefing, but now you've got parents beefing against one another. And so since these issues land on the doorstep of the schoolhouse, um, then the the obvious most likely person to deal with it would be either your guidance counselor, a teacher or somebody on the administrative team of your high school or your middle school. Well, the beauty in your book is that you have exercises that students can do. And people mm-hmm. can do to strengthen themselves against the behavior. Sure. Uh, digital citizenship, uh, thriving uh, or promoting wellness for thriving in a connected world uh, was written as a textbook. And so embedded within each chapter, uh, you'll find real world situations. Uh, you'll find learning scenarios and also learning tasks that have been carefully aligned with the Society for Health and Physical Education, an organization called SHAPE. Uh, let me let me move you on to another another topic too that has seemed to have increased through our utilization of online resources and research and that kind of thing, and that is hate, hate speech, mm-hmm. hate delivered online. What can we do about that to protect ourselves? Sure, we're we're seeing a lot more of that uh, in recent years, uh, and and it's it's filtering down uh, to our school age children that engage in, in hate speech. And, you know, somebody recently I, I talked to called them Twitter thugs and Facebook gangsters. <laughs> that Twitter thugs, thugs and, and Facebook, Facebook gangsters, gangsters. Where, where they engage okay. in this aggressive behavior. They engage in hate speech that they would never engage in were you sitting right in front of the individual. And so technology and social media makes it possible for those to say what's authentically on their heart mm-hmm. um, in a way that that uh, expresses expresses their true nature. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot more hate speech coming through and filtering down to our to our young people. And again, as I mentioned, these wonderful tools that we have here these days, the, te- the technology is wonderful. 
uh, and if they were used for the purposes that they were created for, uh, it would be a wonderful world. But we don't live in a utopia. Yeah. Uh, and, and so all of these unintended consequences, like hate speech, like cyberbullying, are real. Well, the one thing about the uh, the hate speech and one thing that I wanted to really um, bring it up is because unlike cyberbullying, it seems, people do take haters to task. And when they do, they have something called doxing or something to mm-hmm. get back at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you right. <laughs> and, 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 and so they try to – so the people that are perpetuating it, they try to get a one-up or to respond to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And something needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, so sure. so sometimes even that may may turn into a backfire uh, because now you've you've kind of been you've increased the opportunity to engage in hate. And so if if I say something hateful to you, you then turn around and retaliate to one up me with the hate. Then now it's incumbent upon me to come back with a one up. It's almost like what we used to call jonesing back in the day yeah. where, you know, even though that was more, it was more fun and did not necessarily lead to physical confrontation. Uh, it's kind of that same idea that we we want to reduce the instances of engaging in hateful rhetoric and speech completely. And so we want to reduce the instances to where where our young people are going back and forth with it. In this case, the um, a lot of the hate, hate speech and advocating for organizations that also um, perpetuate hate um, tend to be an older group, mm-hmm. more of young adults. Sure. Than the, who are becoming politically aware, who are now developing their own, their own ideologies uh, and mm-hmm. promulgating those ideologies and and becoming uh, aligning themselves with certain uh, political organizations. So so even if we are responding to them in a positive manner, but to neutralize that, then they try to do these other tactics to to be able to perpetuate. Sure, sure. Want, I mean, sure. Want. I mean, we see that in Washington D.C. I think we both lived in the Washington megalopolis, and that whole idea of political behavior manifests. Yeah. Uh, that you know, I mean, and and a lot of it comes from that. And so we watch our political leaders uh, engage, or we used to watch them engage uh, in political rhetoric and disagree on one side or the other. But it never degenerated to where we see it today. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to the point to where we're name calling at the highest levels. We're nicknaming our political rivals. We're we're uh, saying hateful. Um, we're saying hateful things about our opponents on the other side of the aisle, for example. Yeah. And so, if that's happening at the national level, at the highest levels of our government, uh, then obviously you know that it is emboldening those who are further down the structure. Sure. Our subject on this edition is digital citizenship for our better well-being in this rapidly growing and changing connected world. We'll continue our conversation with Metro State University adjunct professor Dr. Alfonso Porter, author of the book Digital Citizenship, on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we do thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.